I've been thinking about some of the things we talked about yesterday, and uh, I, I, uh, I read a, a news article this week. It was very interesting. It was about um, this bloke who who'd worked out a way of telling if someone likes you. You just, you know, you know, you think I think that person might really not like me, and maybe they do like me. You say this sentence to them, and the way they react shows you. And today I'm going to not tell you that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're really curious. Because I found it, it appealed so much to that thing in me which wants to have power over other people and wants to, to know and be, be smart and be above others and, you know, all that stuff that you feel. But, sorry, you, you, no, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can go through my news history and find it. But what we learned yesterday is that we, our, our, we are not to be those who look to control others, to be over others, to be better than others. We're about being humble and forgiving and loving and, and all those things which are far better. Far better. Yeah? So just to, to go back over some of what we talked about, but... Uh, you know, we, we, we found that we, we're called to forgive, that all of us really, uh, all of us would see, had sin, and it's just the pure grace of God that saved us, isn't it? Now, today we're talking about how does the gospel relate to our relationships in the world with those around us, um, and, and in light of what I've just said, that we're saved by grace. Should we be surprised at the sin of people outside of the church? Should we be shocked? Should we shake our heads and say, hmm, those people? Like, who, you see, if you, if you see, you, you're looking at people without Jesus. How are we saved? By grace. By grace. So what were we like before we were saved? Enemies of God. Yeah. We were just like them. So if you can... Look at other people in the world and think, I'm, well, actually, I'm a bit better than them. You're really tearing down grace, aren't you? You're really, uh, uh, apart from condemning ourselves, you know, uh, that, that saying when, when someone sees a, a, a great sinner and then says, well, without the grace of God, that's me. We've really got to know that because until we know that, we actually haven't understood the gospel. And the depths of what God has done for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. If we look at someone and look down on them, we're still holding on to some part of our own self-righteousness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, we know this passage. Paul said it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So it's by grace, by God's kindness, and through faith we believed in what he had done not in what we've done. And this is not your own doing. Who's up there? Oh, sorry. It is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
If we are to be uh, looking at the world around us and wanting the best for them in Christ, we've got to have that view of ourselves and therefore of them, or else we've got nothing. Or else we will just become kind of uh, hermits, really, away from the world, because we're kind of afraid of the world. We don't believe the grace of God is strong enough to hold us, so it might get us and we might be stolen back. Um, and also not believing that we were dead in our sins until Christ came for us. Does that make sense? If we judge, now understand this, I'm going to make a distinction in a while because of the things we've been talking about, about Christians and non-Christians and religious people uh, who don't hold to the gospel. Um, But if we judge non-Christians... We condemn ourselves. When I say judge, I mean we're talking about they. if we condemn them, we condemn us. It has to be that way. Otherwise, the grace of God says we've got, we can condemn nobody. Otherwise, we condemn ourselves. Yep. Good. Okay. So when we're faced, if we relate to people in the world, if we relate to Christ, uh, non-Christians... We, they sin, and their sins are really in our face sometimes. The, the words, the actions, the drunkenness, the partying, the, all that. It hits us, doesn't it? And we just let it go through to the keeper. Just, just, yep, don't hold it against them because that is us without the grace of God. Now, we don't take on the world's views, do we? We don't become like the world. So in 1 John 2, uh, Verses 15, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now that's because sometimes you might look at the world and the people in the world and go, They are having such a good time. I want a bit of that. Don't love the world or anything in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, this is what's in the world, the desires of the eyes, desires of what we see and the pride of life is not from the father but it's from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of god abides forever so okay so we don't look at the world and love what they're doing we don't even accept it but our reaction to it is out of the grace of god so we live in the world Otherwise, what happens as Christians, and it's the great danger of the Christian church, and has been for years, and I know I've talked about this a number of times, is we apply Christian morals to the world, thinking that the world would become a better place if it took on Christian morals without Jesus. Okay, so what's the problem with this world? Well, it's got some bad beliefs about what? What's wrong? Tell me. Abortion. Abortion. Okay, it's got bad... So, if we got rid of abortion in Australia, everybody would be Christian. No. Do you understand? And if we got rid of homosexual marriage, everybody would be Christian. And if we stopped all pubs, all <coughs> nightclubs, everybody would be Christian. And closed up all prostitute houses, everybody would be Christian. Yep. No. Do you understand? It's that moralism which is really what the world hears of the church. And you might say, well, why do they think that of the church? Well, it's easy, because Christians hold placards saying it. God hates fags. 
That's what that's what placards say. You've seen them. That no, he doesn't. Do you understand that? He doesn't. Yep. If we hold up those placards, then basically what we're telling the world, this is what a Christian believes. And I know I've said this a number of times, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it again. If you went to one of those anti-abortion masks and held up a thing that says, uh, abortion is sin, but God forgives sins, believe in Jesus. Do you ever see that held up? That's not what the world knows of us. It doesn't know grace. It just knows law. But we don't apply that. And as soon as you, if you don't apply that, then you have freedom to relate to non-Christians in a way that is life-giving for them. Yep. We can be those who actually tell of grace because that's what we're under. That's, it's actually really hard for us to do, isn't it? Because sin is horrible. Hmm. The church has a distinctive role in the community to bring the truth of God, the truth of God of the gospel, in word and action. I'm not just making that up. Do you understand this? God has called us to a distinctive role in the Dirrambandi, in the St. George, in the Mooney community to bring something that is otherworldly, that is very, very powerful, that is life-changing. We, ha- we have uh, a calling to that. And it will be seen through our words and it will be seen through our actions. Uh, you know, John said, uh, let us not love with word and tongue, but with action and in truth. Now, he's not saying don't speak. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, let your words be consistent with your actions and let your actions be in the world so that people may see Jesus. That people might know Jesus, that they might know something about him. That we might be those who, I mean, you know, when we're faced with a great sinner, we don't have to forgive them. They haven't sinned against us. We just have to treat them as Jesus did. We know how Jesus treated those sinners, don't we? He seemed to just talk to them. He 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 didn't seem to um, like judge them. He didn't deny their sin, but he he actually accepted them, and he spoke the truth, the saving truth to them, which was life changing. So uh, Jesus said this uh, in John thirteen thirty four: "A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another." Just as I've loved you, you had to love one another. And, and we might think that commandment was in the Old Testament, wasn't it? Love one another. So why is Jesus, what's new about that commandment? Well, do you see the bit in the middle? That you love one another as I've loved you. There's a, a, new, a new type of love in town. It's a self-giving, sacrificial love, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So you have the ability to do that. Okay. By this, all people... Yeah, this is the world, we'll know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. The church will be known by love. Now, we can, we can look down on the church and say, well, the church hasn't been known by love, but that's not what it's saying. It's saying, let the church be known by the love that we show to this world. Let it be known. Show the world. Oh, by the way, 
we do not love people uh, for the purpose that to show them, hey, have a good, have a look. I want to serve somebody so they see how nice and serving I am, and and I've got my Jesus sticker on my car, and put them two together, and they're going to believe in Jesus. We don't do it as a show. We love people because we love people because that's what that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Otherwise, what will happen is then we'll be disappointed when we don't get the right response. We, we should love people if we never get a response and keep loving them in action and in truth. Does, does that make sense? But the world will know through the Holy Spirit. Now, one thing I want to give you confidence in today is that God will work through you. He will. And I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. But I want to take a bit of a tangent into a hard subject because what um, we might think, um, how do we deal, we, we, deal we, we, we mix with non-Christians, but what about those religious people that we've been talking about? Okay, how does it go? And there's this horrible situation in the Corinthian church where um, a, 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 um, a man was sleeping with his stepmother. That's the guts of it. That's what was happening. That sort of thing happens in the world all the time. Just horrible sexual immorality. Except for the problem with the Corinthians was this was happening in the church. And it was, uh, well, it it seemed like not only was it um, okay, they were actually showing off. Look at the freedom we've got in Christ. (laughs) We can do this. And Paul says this, I'm going to read a bit of it. So it's 1 Corinthians 5 verse 6 if you want to follow along. Your boasting is not good. You're showing off about sin. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? What he's saying is a little bit of yeast works through the whole lump. What's he saying? That if you you actually incorporate sexual immorality in the church a little bit, it'll spread. Even if you just say it's okay, that will spread to you. Okay. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. That's cool. That's what the church is. You're a new lump. Um, as you really are unleavened, as the sin really has been removed from you. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival. That's celebrating Christ, what he's done for us. Not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I write to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. They're saying, I'm not saying don't relate to the greedy, the swindlers, the sexually immoral or the the idolaters in the world. I'm not saying don't relate to them. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality morality or greed or idolatry or a reveler or a drunkard or a swindler. Not even, do not even eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? We're not about judging non-Christians. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Now, I'm not... I, I didn't want to pick up... Um, one part of that, really, is that we are not to judge the sinful people outside of the church. Paul makes that clear. 
We are to judge, and we've talked enough about that, those within the church. Okay? But those outside, God's their judge, not us. Okay? Mix with them. You could have tea with sinners. Have dinner. That's what we have to say up here. Yeah. You can catch up with them. Um, they need the gospel, don't they? And we and, and actually, you know, I reckon <coughs> funny thing, I don't know why, and this might just be my sin, but I enjoy non Christians. And, and it's, it's really difficult. Uh, I was talking to Caleb before. Why is it so difficult to deal with religious people? You can't get through their thick heads. Yeah? But with, Christ, with non-Christians, it's like there's an openness and a freedom. And uh, maybe we've just got much lower expectations. But uh, I, I'd say this. Enjoy non-Christians. Make real friendships. You know, people say build friendships to convert. Well, that's true. But build friendships to have friendships, to know non-Christians, to, to enjoy them. And, and somehow in your words and actions, you can show the grace of God to them. Don't be afraid about catching sin. I mean, you know, Jesus touched the, the leper, which no one would do. Why would you not touch a leper? Because you catch leprosy. But Jesus touched the leper and the leper became clean. Don't think that you'll catch sin. Think that they might catch clean. Do you, un- do you understand? Does that make sense? <laughs> You're right, Fraser? <laughs> okay. Um, because that is the people God's made us. Understand this. People outside the church, sinners, don't damage God's reputation, do they? Who, who damages God's reputation? Those who misalign the gospel, those who live with sin while they're in the church. They, they actually damage God's reputation. They profane his name, as Ezekiel tells us. But those outside, it's, it's like there's a freedom there. Can you understand what I'm saying? Do you have got any questions on this? Makes sense? You already knew it all. That's good. Okay. It is God's intention to be known through us. I, if I want to make it even more, it is God's intention that he would make himself known through you. That's his intention. Oh, that's hard. No, that's a privilege, isn't it? And that's actually a joy. Who heal when you... When someone becomes a Christian near them, who loves it? What a privilege that is. See someone grow in the Lord. You're part of that. And it's interesting, if I think back of my conversion, and I think, you know, I often would say, this is when I prayed the sinner's prayer and who I was with. But then I think of what happened before through so-and-so and so-and-so. And I can name probably about 10 different people all involved in that journey. All who were pretty happy when I became a Christian. Really happy. You understand? And, and, and each takes their own part in that. But it's God's intention to make himself known through, through um, us. Jesus was praying in John 17, and he said in verse 20, I do not ask for these only, that's his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe 
that you have sent me, so the world might believe in Jesus, through the oneness of the church and through the witness of the church. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. So just as much as the world might know that the Father loves the Son, they might know the love of Jesus through us. That's God's intention. It was actually his intention right from the start. Do you remember the promise made to Abraham? Well, uh, in, in the, when God made his covenant with them in, in Genesis chapter 12? Uh, what was it? Um, I'll make you... What? Um, let's see. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kin- kindred to your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonours you I will curse. And in you all the families of earth shall be blessed. That's cool. All the families of earth. And uh, that will happen through us. All right, that makes sense. Do you believe it? That God will use you. He will. People will believe. Now, we actually believe that God's sovereign, don't we? Do we believe God's sovereign? So if God's sovereign, why do we have to evangelise? Because God's going to evangelise through us. But that's, we are the way that he's chosen to make his name known. Yeah? Right. So that's a dumb question to ask, isn't it? You don't have to ask that. Otherwise, you understand all of God. Just understand this. He's called you to speak the name of Jesus. And people will believe. Paul went to Corinth and then he thought he might move on in Acts 18. And the Lord, in verse 9, says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you or harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. So he stayed about a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. I have many people in this city. When you go to a non-Christian community, just think this. God has many people. What, many Christians? Well, maybe. Not necessarily. Many people who will be, yes. Many will believe. Do you understand that? The confidence that we have in knowing that God is actually the one who brings people to believe. Through us. So, I know I'm jumping around a lot here. But I just would love you to be so encouraged that you might even believe that God's intention is that people in the world would, be, would know Jesus through you. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Paul said this, and I, yeah, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Okay. So we can talk of Jesus without lofty speech or wisdom. Who has lofty speech or wisdom? Apart from Ned, almost no one. No, we'll talk about Ned in a minute. That's right, Ned. I'm not picking on you. Yes. No. Um, not through lofty speech or wisdom. Not through fancy words. Not through getting your words right. 
If you anybody who truly witnesses to another person will know that they never get their words right and they go home thinking, I wish I'd have said this. Yep. But that's okay, because Paul never had that either. He never had the lofty wisdom uh, or speech. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. All I wanted to teach you was Jesus. I didn't want to let, I didn't, there was nothing else I wanted you to know. Okay? And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. Okay, that's us. That's the church in action. Weakness, fear, and trembling. That's us, isn't it? You want to speak to somebody else? That's what you're going to have. Weakness, fear, and trembling. That's a good thing. If you have confidence, like, I mean, you know, have a look at me, I'm, I'm going to get it right, then you've got a problem. Yeah? Have confidence in God, but not in yourself. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You know, that's, that's the miracle of our words, is that when we speak, God actually works through them. Demonstration of the Spirit's power. People's lives are actually changed through us. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If the church is full of eloquent peacocks who strut up and down with their feathers out, right? who are they going to trust in? The bloke strutting up and down. Yeah? But if, they're in, if it comes in weakness and in fear and trembling, who are they going to trust in? The God that's spoken of. The one who actually matters. Do you understand? Otherwise, we just bring the, the world into the church, really, and the, the confidence of humanity, well, the desires of the flesh, and so on. Okay, just jumping now to um, Acts 4, because you know who the disciples were, don't you? They were fishermen. Well, particularly in this passage, the, the fishermen were speaking. They weren't known for eloquent wisdom. They, they weren't known for much at all. They were known for fishing. I, it, it, it's doubtful whether they even really could read or write. You know, that's that's not known. Later on, we know Luke, you know, he was a bit of an educated man. But um, I, I love it that they say that Peter's, the books of Peter, they say are written in vulgar Greek. <laughs> that he actually has, like, there's errors in his, um, what do you call it? Uh, what's that? Grammar. Yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, vulgar Greek. God would speak through a vulgar fisherman. Yeah, that's right. So put up your hand if you're a vulgar fisherman that God might speak through. That might not get your words right. Well, these these people were brought, these vulgar fishermen were brought before uh, the um, Sanhedrin and in Acts 4 verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, there's his strength, the Holy Spirit working in him, not Peter, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man that healed the, the man at the gates, by what means this man ha- has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. 
And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They're pretty Jesus-focused, weren't they? I only want to tell you about one thing. You're, you're raving on about this healing. I want to tell you about Jesus. He's what you need to know. And by him and his name, no one else will be saved without his name. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished. And they recognised that they'd been with Jesus. Yep. Where did the power for their speech come from? From the Holy Spirit. We speak the word, but did they speak the gospel? That's what they spoke. They spoke about Jesus. And to speak and to know the gospel loosens your tongue. You know, you get all tongue-tied. The gospel, the more you know it, the more your tongue will be loosened. Now, everybody, some people say, well, it, I really find it hard uh, to uh, speak to other people. And that's really the point of the gifts, isn't it? Different people have different gifts. So you can invite people to other things where people who have those gifts will be and will speak or will do or whatever. You understand? We don't have to have it all. The church can rely on one another for the growth and for the outreach uh, within the church. And we have different personalities. Now, it was cool to sit at that fire and everybody was there this morning sitting around to see the personalities of the people who were there. Yeah, Some were loud and some were soft. Yeah, Everybody with different sorts of speech. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. So we had Fraser there yeah? and we had Ned and we had Lily. Lily was being Lily again. Yeah. And Mao, yeah, telling stories like he'd learned from Willie. And, and you had Aaron and you had Caleb. And, you know, can you understand? And Jack, can't forget Jack. But we never heard from Heather. But she was there being Heather, yeah. And, and the Conways, okay. So I'm, I'm talking about everybody's there being themselves around that fire. Now I want you to see, every one of those is a gift. The personalities God's given them. The brashness, the non-brashness, the quietness, the relational strength, the love. the Every one of them is a gift. Together is the church. Yeah? You'll all be annoyed by someone different to you at one time. But together is the church. And God will use the blessings of those personalities together to make his name known. Because if you have such a diverse range of personalities and people and they somehow seem to love each other, what a witness that is. That you can stay together. Yep. Can you understand that? God will use... So I want to say this. God will use you, yeah. God will use you corporate. Together. To make his will known. Yep. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Every one of you in your personalities, in your words, in your actions has great strengths. And every one of you has weaknesses. And you need the strengths of one another within the church, the gifts, and together you will actually be the, the one who make known, the manifold witness of God. Yep. And as uh, in the preaching of the word in uh, Acts 13, it says at the end that Paul and Barnabas spoke and then it says... Um, 
And when the Gentiles heard the message they were speaking, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many who were appointed to eternal life believed. In other words, people will believe through these people. Paul and Barnabas, aren't they the ones that had a bit of an argument later on? The parting of ways? Yeah, no, they had it all together. Yeah. Yeah. They had their weaknesses. And John and, you know, we talked to John and, John, John and James, the Sons of Thunder, who were, had anger management problems. The other day we talked about them. Yeah. All those weakened people. And Simon the Zealot. So he was, he was like, he was the, you know, let's go and in the name of God, stab everybody with spears who's against us. You know, he was that guy. Yeah, that passionate person within you. He was one of the disciples. Why did Jesus choose him? <laughs> he chose... He chose people to bear his name. But I want to finish with this um, in the Revelation, and it's said a number of times, but look at chapter 7. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples, and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, the robes of righteousness given to them by Christ, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Jesus. Where are they from? Every nation, every tribe within every nation, Every people, every language, they were speaking their own languages. And the whole world won't be English then, will it? English is this little, this English language is this little blip in history. Uh, and then it dies and gets taken over by Mandarin or something else. Yep. And then maybe Spanish. And then maybe something else, do you know what I mean? We, we, we're not all English, but those people will all be there speaking their own languages, worshipping God. But how will. All of those, how can you have all those Christians? Those righteous people. Because people, uh, God has been working through his people to make his name known through the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And it doesn't say Deer and Bandy there or St. George, but there'll be people there from Mooney because the Christians from Mooney had a voice. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's through you. I've said plenty. Um, I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you would teach us to be gospel witnesses to this world. I pray that you would teach us to boldly speak of you, even in our weakness and our fear and trembling, that we would make your name known and particularly that your Holy Spirit would do that work which we can't do in changing hearts and lives. I pray that through us, people will believe in Jesus. I pray that through us, people would see and know our love and be drawn into that love. And I pray mostly that through your church, you would be glorified. And I pray that we would be a a people who give glory to you in everything we do and say, that everything would be to the honour of your name because you are the great God of grace and of mercy and of peace. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.